and welcome to Movie Mandates. I'm Kelly. And I'm Andrew. And this is the show where my brother and I force each other to watch a movie based on a specific monthly theme. It's February Black History Month. And on the previous episode, brother picked that we watch Hidden Figures. But today we are going to talk about my mandated movie, Pewtis and the Black Messiah. However, uh, before we get to that, since I picked the movie, it is only fair that Brother challenged me in a little segment we call Trivial Trivia. Okay. Well, this should be very fair, considering that you and I are both products of public education. And oh, as yes, then such, I won't know the answer. And as such, we learned all about the Black Panther Party. And um, so we're very familiar with the... Uh, events that were depicted in this film because they definitely taught us this in school i mean it certainly yeah. wasn't the case where they said hey martin luther king cool dude there we go <laughs> and that's it didn't somebody shoot him uh yeah well but he was still a cool dude yeah all right good so job, good job. trivia question <laughs> okay the Black Panther Party was founded by Bobby Seale and Huey Newton in Oakland, California, in October of 1966. The Black Panther was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in Fantastic Four number 52 in July of 1966. Coincidence? No. I don't know. No. The world actually may never know. Um, oh, come on. It, it's it's really hard to say. I'm My thought is because it's so narrow, July to October. Uh, Black Panther premiered in Fantastic Four number 52 in July. And then the Black Panther Party was formally organized the following October. I mean, it's possible that the, these were these were kids. These were these were they very were so young men. Young. Um, so young. Yeah, uh, which is why it it's like ooh, comics. Yes, look, this Black Panther character. It's it's actually possible that they were trying to form the party and were stuck on a name, and they're just like, oh, dude, Black Panther, that'd be friggin' sweet. Okay. Um, I've I couldn't find anything about the origin. I didn't look that hard, but I couldn't find anything um regarding the origins of the actual name of the Black Panther Party. But uh Stan Lee did go on record back in the day that it was just a coincidence. He was uh, he he realized he didn't have any uh superheroes of color. And so he created Black Panther and it was it just happenstance that when Black Panther debuted in Fantastic Four that summer, the following fall, the Black Panther Party came out. And so it's it's so close, you know, within two or three months, it's so close that it's possible that these kids were reading comic books and took that name for their for their uh, political action party. Well, for, for their uh, party movement party thing. Um, but it's probably just a coincidence. See, I, so there's two sides of it and I mm -hmm. totally get it. It's like, you know, um, I'm going to relate this back to Dante's Peak and Volcano. Remember when those came out and everyone's mm -hmm. like, you know, oh, who's copying who? And you think 
they, just because they were out like six months apart, like they were shooting at the same time. So it's not like you don't have, you, it takes more than six months to do a movie, especially one of that calendar, calendar caliber. So you know that there was process before that and creating a party. So like that's yeah, why- Yeah, the Black Panther Party was probably something that was at least in the kicking around the idea and planning stages yeah. for at least six months, if not a year or longer beforehand. Yeah. And certainly it, you know, Black Panther was planned as a character for months beforehand, but it's possible that they picked, but they, that they planned on the group, but didn't have a name until the comic right. book came out. It's yeah. possible, but honestly, who um, the hell knows? I, I couldn't find a definitive answer on dang. that, but it's, but I, great to speculate. I, yeah, but I thought it was so interesting. Cause I was like, I'm pretty sure the Black Panther was like in the 60s somewhere. So it must have been around the same time. So I looked it up and went, holy shit, they were like three months apart? <laughs> really? That's That's, it's amazing. July and what, October. I always, what I always thought is, well, obviously for me and my um, my keen comic book knowledge, yes. I just assumed Black Panther was way later. And I also just assumed that they were correlated in general like i would have mm. just thought that that's what stanley was like i need a black superhero and like good on him for noticing in the 60s well done there um but no yeah but so so i always kind of assumed that that's why he was there so when you told me the dates i was like oh, so maybe that's why they're there so i wish it i doubt it but i wish it yeah I, it it is kind of a fun idea that um because very young uh, young people put this uh this group together it's not outside the realm of possibility that they were fans of uh, comic books and they read the fantastic four and they saw the black panther show up and they're like that's it uh, yeah. <laughs> i know what to call this group the black panther it's, it's like, so true and you know we can still wear the hats right yeah <laughs> duh they're cool <laughs> um they're like we don't have to like change our whole outfit right we, now we, we? We, the hats still work with black <laughs> like Panther, latex right? is not like a thing in the 60s yet or um but yeah no moving on to to the movie and just talking about like really the age thing i was like first off i was i don't know enough of history I am ashamed to say that. Yeah, I had to uh, look up, I, you know, because when you get to the end of the movie, you get the what happened to each of the individual characters post where the movie stops. And I it took a quick browse just to see how accurate some of that stuff was. And, and we'll talk a bit about it. But um, uh, broadly, it is accurate. Okay. But um, the one thing that uh, that caught my attention was that... Uh, the names are escaping me, but the the uh, Daniel Kaluuya and right. uh, Lakeith Stanfield's characters, O'Reilly, O'Leary, O'Neill, something. I think O'Neill, Bill, Bill O'Neill. I think it's Bill, Lakeith Wild Bill, and uh, Fred. And, because I thought like Fred and <laughs> Fred, Fred, Fred the Hampton. No, yeah, Ed, Hampton. Yeah. yeah, Fred Hampton. Um, these were kids. They were like twenty. <laughs> Yeah, the, the actors are in their early 30s. Blew but, me away. It's, but when I looked them up, I went, oh, shit, these were kids. <laughs> you know? That was exactly what I took 
Like I watched the whole movie and I just assumed that I assumed that they were in their twenties, but I assumed that they were all legal drinking and rental car or maybe rental car age. Not, I just left school if I were going to When he was killed, I think he was 21. Yeah. And he had been doing that for years. I, I was astonished. Mm -hmm. I, even in like, you know, my education of the Black Panther Party, and this is actually not supposed to be funny. This is actually quite tragic. I don't know that the Black Panther Party was even mentioned in school. Forrest Gump. Oh. Isn't that terrible? Huh. And in that movie, they look older too. They're not depicted as kids. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's not a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds that they're, I mean, they're, they're cast like they cast high school students with people in their thirties. That's true too. Because <laughs> kids suck. But like, I think about kids now and I'm like, I don't think a 19 year old is educated enough to say some of the words that were coming out of his mouth. Like that's those thoughts put it, it incredible and that the fbi would trust a child Uh, and oh god yeah that's that's why they were sued and uh had to end up uh settling so can we talk so since we're starting at the end anyway because everyone knows i mean it's it's obviously yeah um because the american education system's a plus oh yeah it is so in the uh this is what happened since they talked about the suit and I'm not going to remember the exact numbers, but they talked about the suit being filed for like 46 million something or other, but it was like a four, it was a 40 some odd million. And then it mm-hmm. settled for like 1.8. One and a half or something. Yeah. And I'm just like, my heart broke. So you said that you looked up some of the stuff. Did you look that up? Is it really, is that disparity that large? Yes. What? Sorry. Yeah, I, th- I think the numbers were accurate. What was not inaccurate, but was unclear, was uh, Bill O'Neill. Okay. So what is Bill's fate, according to... Did you look this up? No. Okay, so you watched the end of the movie. What is Bill's fate? Maybe we should give it for anyone listening. Here's... Kelly, give us the general plot of the movie. What what are we talking about? Okay, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so Lakeith Stanfield, right? Is that his last name? Yeah. Um, I think so. Plays Bill O'Neill, and he is just a car thief, basically. And was I right with the name? Yes, you yes. looked like you're about to say something. It's Sorry. Stanfield, yeah. Stanfield, great. So he uh, gets taken in by the police for you know car thievery, and an FBI agent sees in him an opportunity to infiltrate the Black Panther Party and get close to Fred Hamilton, whom they have Hampton. not been named Hampton. <laughs> Thank you. Um uh who they've not been able to get close to or pin enough on or whatever they need. They need this guy to infiltrate, give them information because it's either that or he goes to jail for like five years. I think was whatever it would be for the car thievery. Yeah, boost, boosting officer. a car and impersonating an officer. Yeah. We've got you for five or six years. So instead, you can work for us as an informant. Yeah, on and the, you'll uh, be Black Panthers. Yeah, and you'll be you know out and living your life, but 
that's kind of your mm-hmm. punishment. And so he does. And the movie just goes through all of the things that he does as he does, you know, as he's infiltrating. And it comes to fruition that he, in the movie, and maybe you can let me know because I did not uh, look. Um, so it comes to fruition that at the they get him to put a sleeping agent in um, the chairman's drink, who is Daniel Kalua, who is Fred Hampton. And the reason why they do that is because they're going to raid his house, kill everybody and shoot him in the head and make, you know, basically. Yeah. So the it. the FBI uses uh, Bill O'Neill, they're the guy they're, you know, they're taking advantage of. They use him to murder uh, Fred Hampton. So, uh, in the epilogue, how does he not go to jail? Like I just uh, assume who, who Bill O'Neill. Yeah, I truly. <laughs> assume... You know, it's actually kind of surprising that they don't throw when they're done with the make I, something up to throw his ass in jail. But yeah, I truly assumed that that was coming because he administered the. But, uh, he, oh, didn't he kill himself? 20, so 20 years later, he does an interview. That's right. And that, that inter- interview mm-hmm. that they play at the end of the movie, he killed himself like the day that it released, right? Right. So according to the uh, postscript in like 1989, 1990, something like that, um, Bill O'Neill, some 20 years later, sat down for, I think the only interview he ever did about his life as an informant for the FBI on the Black Panther Party. And um, according to the postscript of the film, he killed himself the very night that interview aired. That's not that's not untrue, but it's a little misleading. Okay. The um that interview was part of a longer documentary series and um bill o'neill killed himself the night the first episode of that series aired which i think was in january his episode came out about a month later so the episode with his interview footage in it was like episode 12 or something like that it didn't actually premiere until the middle of february so it's it's true that he did he did kill himself the night that that thing but but it sounds like what it watching the movie you get the idea that he watched his interview couldn't live with himself and offed himself not exactly how that works but the the film is very interestingly book ended with that interview And it starts with Lakeith Stanfield playing Bill O'Neill. But at the end of the movie, when they revisit it, it's the actual it's the actual uh, interview tape with the with the real Bill O'Neill. And. um, uh, You listen to what he's saying and he's saying things like, I, you know, I did what had to be done. And, uh, you know, we we all do what we need to do and blah, 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 blah. But I was looking at him. I'm like. Oh man, that that is he doesn't believe a word he's saying. And then he said, you and know, then, and then it does the title card. At least I had an opinion. Uh, yeah, he's he's, he's 
yeah. he's doing the same both sidesy bullshit that the that the Jesse Plemons uh, 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 FBI right. character kept feeding him throughout the movie. So it, it was interesting to see that the real guy actually say that kind of thing. And then you get the little title card that says uh, Bill O'Neill killed himself the night that this interview or the night that this special aired, which is right. a little misleading, but not true. It, not exactly true. Um, but I, yeah, I would not be surprised that this is something that ate away at him for two decades and watching it going, he just, he, mm-hmm. he got uh, Fred Hampton and a lot of people killed. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he was, he was protecting himself. He was put in an, if the dramatization of the movie is accurate, he was put in a, in an untenable position. I get why he did what he did. Yeah. But um, I, I think one of my favorite line of the movie is towards the beginning where Jesse Plemons, the FBI guy, is first interviewing Bill O'Neill. Can we talk about what an underrated actor Jesse Plemons is? Holy crap. Every time I see him, he's just oh, so great in all of his stuff. Yeah. But like he doesn't I anyway, please continue. But but Jesse Plemons is definitely a guy who can go to Walmart and no one would bother him. Which I guess good for him because he's I, I mean, freaking I, I, brilliant. In some manner in some manner that's like ah, but, I don't I don't have to worry worry about uh people pestering me at walmart or when i go to the drive-in or because or, yeah. you know, he's or absolutely whatever. terrifying in this movie and i've seen him as like bumbly sort of like goofy yeah he's a great character actor anyway please continue. um so anyway he picks up uh lakeith stanfield is impersonating a cop so that he can steal a car right so he goes into a, a bar or something he's like i'm the fbi everyone get up against the walls and he pats them all down and takes their stuff and car keys and then goes out and boosts their car right so uh jesse Plemons, the fbi guy he asks and he says um how come you use a fake fbi badge instead of a gun and lakeith stanfield's character says something on uh, uh, something along the lines of um because an FBI, because a police officer badge is much more terrifying than a gun. Yeah. That's real power. Anyone can get a gun. But, you know, you, you have an FBI badge or a police badge or something. That's that's real power that you can't do anything about. I have a gun. Great. They have a gun, too, and they can shoot right back. Yeah. I have a badge. They can't do shit. I mean, they can shoot at me. But now you're dead because even more people who look just like me are going to come after you and will not stop. We'll just make shit up until you're dead. Yeah, you know, like uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character, uh, Fred Hampton. Apparently, they they pinned him, uh, they put him in jail. They, they they made up he stole ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh my god. Yeah. Well, and um, then didn't yeah. they say um, in the shootout? the police shot 60 rounds and the it was a it was i think the subtitle said 99 but the numbers i read were over 100 okay and then the the black panthers just shot one yeah yes there were uh and you see that shit reflected today too where 
Uh, the police yeah. fire dozens upon dozens of shots and the people they're shooting at fire zero or they get like one shot off. Yeah. It's insane. Insanity. Yep. Uh, but yeah, yeah like Fred I... Hampton was full of holes and a bunch of other people got shot. A couple others died. Um, yeah. But yeah, they, they were all caught unawares. Uh, someone managed to... Uh, pick up a gun and and get a shot off but basically the the police just slaughtered him it's terrible but so i i want to talk about two things but first i don't know which one i want to talk about first so i do want to talk about um jesse plemons the fbi agent Mm -hmm. and uh uh lakeith stanfield bill o'neill um Oh, and if if we don't get it, get around to it, we've got Martin Sheen in very heavy makeup playing J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> it that was a th- I was like his jowls. I just wanted to like. <laughs> okay, um, so <laughs> like like a just smack it like a doorstop. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it was something because what. Because when I Marty, saw... Marty, come here. Get in the car. We're gonna drive real fast. Stick your head out the window. Flap, <laughs> flap, 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 flap. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. But their relationship was so incredible to me, and the arch of their relationship was just the like take away the rest of the movie and just watching how like Jesse Plemons really sinks into, like you were saying in the interview, you can feel the way he talks is like the way he was trained from this FBI agent who talks about of both sides of his mouth because Mm -hmm. he first, he brings him into his home and literally tells him that he had to defend some white guys who, uh, or no, he was part of the trial or whatever of um, some big case that I don't remember uh yeah but had to do i yeah but had to do with like lynching and it was and he was you know he brings it up and he talks very graphically to to bill o'neill about this making him uncomfortable and then basically and then in the very next breath he's like you're my guest make yourself comfortable i have very expensive scotch over there you should have some scotch and it's like and he does that throughout the whole thing. He's bringing him to dinners and then watching um, Bill O'Neill become almost like rude. He is rude. He becomes like an asshole to the staff to, and he's like, oh, get me this. And he throws his, you know, he's like, you know, he snaps his fingers for the yeah. wait staff and he becomes <clears throat> like this. And then at the very, very end, he flipping gives him a set of keys to his freedom. And I'm like, Oh my god. I'm sorry. For anyone who didn't watch, that probably didn't mean anything to anyone except for my brother. As a thank you for being for, my informant so well and that, for for allowing us to for being instrumental in us in uh, assassinating, uh, slaughtering uh uh Fred Hampton and and yes. uh, all of his friends and your like, friends too. I have yes. Couldn't have done it without you, buddy. Here, here's so three hundred bucks and a key to a gas and station. Keys to a gas station. You're free, is what he says. You're a free man, and it's just like, 
Whoa. And that explains the plight of today. What the F is an uneducated man going to do with $300 and keys to a gas station? You can't just, it was such a brutal ending for no. such a brutal ending. <laughs> like it was just, it, yeah. So, but here's the other thing I wanted to ask because there was only one part of the movie that I didn't understand. Okay. While uh, the chairman, Fred Hampton, is giving one of his speeches in the excited crowd and their I am a revolutionary, I think that one, I am a revolutionary mm -hmm. speech. And Bill O'Neill is staring at the FBI agent. Who is in the crowd, right? Who is in the crowd. And I thought that it was him hallucinating because he's getting paranoid because like he is because he's having dreams like there is it's going there is through. yeah there is one dream sequence where yeah someone you are a rat i shoot you oh god yeah. I, I had and a then nightmare. he had i think there's a nightmare <laughs> that you don't see the nightmare but like he's having real bad mm -hmm. moments that he's just not you know he's He's already paranoid because uh, this is like, I think, after we've learned that another CI was killed, but not really, which was a very convoluted thing. But so I didn't think that the FBI agent was there, not only because of the paranoia thing that had been set up, but also because I feel like more would be two things he was making direct eye contact at bill o'neill and never mm -hmm. wavering someone would have noticed that and two oh, he was the only white guy there someone would have noticed that no, there were a couple were there there, there, I are, guess there were a few in the crowd my read is he was there he wasn't a he was because he says it later and i was like yeah yeah, whoa, yeah. Whoa. he says it later i was watching that it was a hell of a performance academy award worthy and that was shocking to me i was like oh you were there i read that totally wrong and that was really weird because I, I just didn't like that. It should have been paranoid <laughs> because I should always be right. Um, Yeah, if, if I'm wrong about something, that, that, that means that the movie's bad. Exactly. <laughs> they, should have, they should have done something differently so that I was right. There you go. So, I will not have my expectations subverted. You've tricked me and I don't like it. Shame. Shame. Um, so Daniel Kaluuya, man. So he and Lakeith Stanfield were both up for Best Supporting Actor. Okay. And Daniel won. Oh, cool. And that's just always, in my opinion, so hard when two from the same movie have to go against each other. Yeah. Um, it, I would have given the better performance to Daniel Kaluuya too. Um, I don't have, I, I, I have a major critique of Lakeith Stanfield's performance, but I think it was the direction more than the performance. Who's the director? Uh, Shaka King. It's a cool name. Don't know who that is though. Um, Lakeith Stanfield's performance is 
too squirrely, I feel. He's so obviously up so to I, no good. One way to read that is it, it's we're our benefit. See, we, the audience, are seeing how he feels. What we're seeing is not what everyone else is seeing. But I mean, he plays it just so squirrely. I'm like, how does how does no one suspect this guy? Come on. I feel and and he's like, um, what's the word? Bipolar. I have to, not. I'm not, gonna get a refill. Refill your drink. Well, not refill your drink too. I'm like, I, you got to be more subtle than that, man. When I'm way overselling him, that, but. Oh, not really. Yeah. Well, like when, when they told him about the other CI that um got uh got offed, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh!" And then all of a sudden, he was like, "Oh shoot, that's not supposed to be my reaction." Damn right, I would have killed him eight hundred times. I would have done this. I would have, and I'm like, okay. "Random f word." Reel it in, reel it in, reel it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was saying the same thing. And it's, I think, and and so I felt all of that, and I. I have to I'd believe have that boiling they... water in his left foot and his right. Yes, exactly. But I, I have to believe that it was a hundred percent the director personally, like, but oh, yeah. also that I've it was seen like Keith Stanfield and other. We other have things, to so. be able to know that this was a struggle for him. Yeah, I do believe that he could have not gone that far and still portrayed that because he's a fantastic actor. I think but there this are was the choice of the director, and it at least it was consistent. I think there are other ways to do it. Yeah. I mean, you you can do the there's the really obvious thing where you do like a tight co- close up, drop the lighting out of the back, and do the real expression. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you see the, something something yeah. like that. There's a bunch of different ways you can do that, yeah. but um, I was never sure if the intention was that we we the audience are privy to his um the heart he's wearing on his sleeve but the other characters are not similar to like uh someone someone doing an aside in a play yeah you know they stand on the the lip of the stage they go well i'm not feeling good about this no one on no one in the cast actually heard that that was just for right. the benefit of the audience even though everyone's standing there we understand that and right. even in theater sometimes when that happens they'll they'll do visual signifiers like they'll spotlight and drop they'll drop the lights and spotlight the actor or they'll have everyone else completely freeze right and the whole right? reason is because like back in the day you did not have the power to you know, you didn't have acoustics. You had to get to the back of the room. So just if there was any question about my delivery, which is basically me just screaming to you, I have to now have an aside to explain that I am being naughty. Golly, <laughs> I hope they don't find out I've betrayed them. Exactly. It's like, well, shit, they know now. <laughs> and who the hell are you talking to? Bill, are you okay? Who are um, you talking to? Good lord! I mean, so, the guys guys great at their security system, but it's kind of screwed loose. But no, it wasn't until so. It was when he offered the drink to the chairman 
that I truly believe it solidified it. Well, not because I was questioning it throughout, but mm. that's the one that I was like, Oh, we're it, just, yeah, we're I just know because there's no there's no it. way Fred would have been no. like, yes, please. I will definitely drink something that you pour <laughs> after <laughs> I'm going to give you my glass. So that's yeah. And it's it, I mean, that's like walking up to a stranger in a bar and going, hey, I pour I made this drink for you myself. <laughs> drink it. <laughs> Please, please. No, please. please. Uh, no, I'm not going to try it. It's all nope. for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I definitely didn't blow my nose in it. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, th that's probably not going to work on most. So, I yeah, guess... I, I agree. And um, that that was the directorial mm -hmm. intent. Right. I still feel like there should have been some oh, yeah. visual indication yeah. of that. I, I, I think I yeah on the other hand if that was the intent we both got it so mission accomplished i guess um okay. yeah that's true a couple of since we're talking about uh the, the actual craft and filmmaking a yeah. couple other things i want to bring up yeah. um i almost turned on the subtitles because when fred gets going he is tough to understand and i actually listened to an old fred hampton speech and yeah, that's pretty much what he sounded because he he's going one. It's the where did this take place? Boston, Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. Chicago. Um, one, it's the yeah. Chicago accent plus a lingo, an old lingo from the '60s that I'm not right. particularly familiar with, and him also doing a great job of imitating uh Fred Hampton's cadence. Yeah. Sometimes I was like. Sorry, what? <laughs> I mean, I got the general gist of it, but I'm yeah. like, yeah, no, uh, I I you're, agree. You're there were revolutionary. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Yeah, it's and I find it fascinating that dialects have really mellowed over only like a very fifty year period, I, like that mid Atlantic or um, uh, the the mid Atlantic accent that they did in the the towards the turn of the century to to kind of even things out. Is, sure, I th I think that's a result of the internet and being more connected and hearing all kinds of people from all kinds of places, which fair. is flattening out our our regional dialects to an extent. Okay, yeah, fair. I I suspect that may be part of it. That's why I sound like I'm from everywhere and nowhere mm. all at once. Um. Another thing I'd like to point out is uh, the cinematography style, again, particularly when Fred Hampton is speaking, uh, are close-ups. Get, yeah. get, get right up in someone's grill there. Right. And what's particularly yeah. funny is I'm not sure if it was blocked this way or if Daniel Kaluuya was just in the moment. It was just like, I'm going to move over here now. And it felt like the camera guy was just like, oh sh shit okay god damn it because <laughs> he he kept moving out of frame a couple of times and the the camera lag it did not seem to anticipate that action i'm not sure if that was intended or if it was just daniel however you feel you do and the camera's got okay tight close up and oh shit shit <laughs> you know because when you're that when when you're that tight, you can't whip pan because you uh, there he is. No, so you kind of yeah. have to do that. There he is. 
And I noticed that a few times with him and Lakeith Stanfield, particularly with Daniel Kaluuya, because he when he'd get animated and then he'd he'd move somewhere else, and the camera would be like, "Oh, yeah, he, <laughs> you know." I, I don't know, but uh, I I find it amusing thinking of the camera person going like, <laughs> "Yeah, just doing his best to follow along." I you must were, say, I didn't know. Do you it see those two pieces of tape on the floor at your feet, Daniel? Do you see yeah. them? Yeah. Stand there. <laughs> They're bright green. We are editing them in post. Flip and use them. Yeah. You know your stand in who's been standing in that spot for three hours while we've been doing your makeup and setting while we've up the been lights? Lighting? Yeah. That's what those are for. Stand there. We lit you for here. Not over there so much, oh but God. right here. Not here or here so much. Right there where the tape is. Yeah. I'm no. really feeling motivated to move over here. I'm a bitch. Uh, so I, I'm just. Uh, it's not a really a criticism. It works just fine. It's just that it was clear that the director and the cinematographer really wanted up close in your face to read the face and yeah. see the passion in the eyes and stuff, and he kept moving. <laughs> I have the to camera lag behind a little bit. I'm not much. I'm not sure if they deliberately did that because they were going for more documentary kind of a shooting style, um, rather than anticipating the move. Because none of his movements, none of the camera movements, seem to be anticipate anticipatory. Right. Right. No, none of the it. It's like okay, and now we're gonna move over here, and now we're gonna move. It seemed like oh, he, it wasn't he moved. a dance. It All wasn't right. a choreographed dance. Right. It was. It was a reaction. Yeah. So you know, it could very well be that. Again, I have to look up this director. I do not know the director very well. Even you saying the name doesn't. Shaka King. That's a that's a fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> but what else have have they done? Like, hmm. do I know their oeuvre? Because you know, if if Bill O'Neill's entire if Lakeith Sanfield's entire performance was based on emotion, well, not entire, but like he had to outwardly portray the inward feelings of his character. Perhaps everything is like that, like the unexpected nature of Fred Hamilton. Gosh, darn it, Hampton. Hampton. Uh, Shaka King to seems to be, seems to be a TV director, so this seems to be a first film. Excellent, fantastic first film. So seems to be a uh, yeah shorts, uh, shorts, shorts TV series, TV series, TV series. So and then Judas and Black Messiah. Yeah. Fantastic first Good outing. Incredible first outing. Yeah. But do you think that maybe the right. unpredictability of Fred Hampton in and of itself is going to be reflected? in the movement of the camera you, you should know, just, yeah well they, you know and there were also i might not have noticed that as much but i did notice many shots where a still shot would change all the focus all the time and like shots were very they were organized in very interesting ways that you would normally not like the person you're focused on is in the background and the foreground like it was so it was very it was very interestingly chosen how to direct your eye and how to make you feel with the camera mm -hmm. so maybe just the whole you know conceptual i can get behind a good concept 
I can also get behind the way that Daniel Kaluuya looked at his co-star, whose name escapes me, but like, dude, if a guy ever looked at me that way, I mean, I know Jeremy loves me, but God which, darn. Which co-star are we talking about? His lady friend, Darlene. The lady friend? I mean, that's love. That dude. Dude. It was hot. Like, it was hot. It was very hot. It was very steamy hot. Mm. Okay. <laughs> You're like, I have no idea. I'm just letting you know. Handsome dude, but his his charms are wasted on me, I guess. I I didn't have to fan myself. But but still, handsome, charismatic dude. Very charismatic. Same same with Lakeith Stanfield, I would say. Very good. He Did you see Sorry to Bother You? Have we talked about it? Yes, yes. I saw that in the theater. Me too. Um, oh, you saw it too? I did see it in the theater. Did yeah. you have, did you know, did you go in even hearing from someone like, don't let anyone spoil the ending? I, so this Did was you know something was going to happen at the no, end? I knew Neither nothing. did I. I just went to I knew see nothing. It. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had nothing. no idea. It was the movie that was playing at. The... So that third act twist, I was like, Uniplex or the single okay <laughs> yeah yeah it was the movie that week and I was like well that's the movie yeah. I'm watching this week yeah you know back when I didn't have children and had money and now I have three and time yeah there you go oh my gosh let me tell you they took away my weekly movie <laughs> that's why we had to start a podcast that's right and I'd be able to watch more movies too if it so weren't for you darn watch kids movies. no that's literally why I'm like you know what? I need something other than yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I, I guess I can't. Not that cartoons are bad. We have very eclectic taste in film. Yes. Uh, which advantages us in the sense that we can easily find something to watch that would appeal to the youngins too. Yes. But conversely, our taste is so damn broad that a good chunk of our film diet would be of absolutely no interest to your kids at all. They'd be like, no, I don't want to watch that at all. So I'm going, I'm, I'm currently going through, and I know we're not talking about this, but we'll get back to the movie in a moment. I'm currently going through a Korean phase at the moment. Um, Hmm. I I watched past lives. I think I told you, and I uh, just, I'm almost done with Minari, which funny. Um, and I say almost done. I have 20 minutes left, but, and I'm super, I, I have zero idea where it goes and there's only 20 minutes left and I'm captivated the whole time. No, the story about Minari and why it can very easily segue back in to Judas and the Black Messiah is because it was made in the same year and up for some of the same Oscars. Hmm. Interesting. I uh, actually, we talked about this b- before we started recording, but I was, um, in the mood yes. to to, yes. to I in the mood for a filmic palette cleanser because the movie's a bit of a downer. Um, I mean, it's called Judas and the Black Messiah. Even if you're not familiar with uh, anything about the Black Panther Party or the history of the late '60s in America, uh, particularly the Chicago area, yeah, um, that story's 
pretty culturally ubiquitous, at least in America. So I'm like, well, I know where this is going. Yeah, I know um, what Judas does to the white messiah. So I'm assuming he's going to do the same to the black happens, messiah. Yeah, I know what happens in this story. Brilliantly titled film, dude. Yeah, that's a great, that is a great title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, I was, I was checking out some movies as like, because I finished this movie and it was like 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what I want to watch? I want to watch a movie where uh, someone is wronged and violently beats the hell out of their oppressors. You know, like a you know a rape revenge movie or, yeah. you know, it's something like John Wick. Or, you know, someone killed my dog. I'm just going to shoot all of you. You know, just something s- that some makes really you feel justice. cathartic thing. Justice. Right, right. Uh, one of the movies I almost turned on last night was a Korean film, uh, The Handmaiden. Um, which is not as actiony as I would, as I was really looking for, but as like thinking about movies that are kind of revenge themed. And my understanding of the plot of that one is someone's getting revenge on somebody through. So it's more uh, sneakers or maybe even uh, like the, that other one, uh, Parasite. Um <clears throat> But it was also two and a half hours and I had to work today. So I was like, ah, yeah, I'm not going to stay up until two in the morning. So. So what did you watch? Anything? I watched. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Demons 2. Uh, it's, it's in a it's an American. Well, it's an Italian produced. Uh, uh, it's I think Argento did that one. Uh, Demons 1 I've seen is. Was- it, I was waiting it, for it. I didn't. It, I'm like, come on, brother. Demons yeah, one. Demons one is pretty, pretty fun. Is a good movie. No, but but it's a lot of fun. Uh, people go to a movie theater. There are demons. Lots of people die in inventive ways. It's 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 got a lot of really interesting energy and fun effects and kills. It's fun. Demons two is tries to do exactly the same thing. Just uh, in a uh in an office building so you so you know how they did die hard and then everything else was die hard on a train on a plane on a submarine uh this one was like uh it's 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 demons in a high rise where die hard was uh so there are people in a high rise and demons break out and uh there's some overall i i i'd call it a miss but there is one genuinely great sequence where um in this high rise is a a gym i guess there's just a bunch of people just pumping iron just pro- it got to be like 20 people in there just pumping iron and they keep cutting to them throughout the movie it's all the same people just pumping iron and they are the sweatiest people i've ever seen they are all glistening i'm like i don't know if all of them oiled up or they were all spritzed down between every take but and then the yeah. demons come in and so oh. they all go run out and they and uh, like 20 minutes of the movie follows these exercise people as they get trapped in the the building's parking garage and start flipping cars and and uh barricading the door and it it's this it almost it it it's it turns into like a siege movie like assault on precinct 13 or something just with a bunch of people in spandex really really sweaty people in spandex um oh my goodness you know guys in little short gym shorts and girls this in their is exactly what i'm leotards. picturing is yeah. i'm like just knowing that it's an argento film so i know the t- time frame and then i'm like and are they like 
these are not the bodies that you're going to see. These are like bodybuilder bodies is what I'm yes. assuming. Yes. Yeah. Very, very fit, very wet people. <laughs> fit, wet people. <laughs> and it's, it's just hilarious <laughs> seeing, seeing these bodybuilders fighting demons. Um, and mm. of course, as you might imagine, Asia Argento's in there, but she was only like 14 or something at the time. Oh, so right. she she's the Did little she girl. Uh, no, she, uh, everyone dies, but she, the, the, she hides in a car and the zombies just get bored and leave or the demons get bored and leave. Daria's like, it's my little girl. No one's going to eat my little girl. <laughs> right. That's right. Asia survives. Asia lives. So, um, <laughs> Funny. yeah, I, I did. I didn't watch really a, a revenge or violent revenge movie, but I, I did see a silly goofy horror movie. So, yeah. but I understand the impulse because mm -hmm. there is something so unfortunate about watching a movie like this and realizing that it's history a and realizing that and a lot of it's still happening that's what it is it's like i watch it and i just think to myself i want to watch this and think i'm so happy that we've come so far because it is so appalling you watch it and you're appalled and it should be appalling. Mm. And then it's even worse to know that it's like, granted, the people who think this would never watch this movie, to be fair, <laughs> but, you know, if someone is not appalled at this movie, distance yourself from mm. that person. That's, that's, that's kind of the thing. And that's what I wish it's, it's just, it's, that's the sadness of it is you just watch it. And I can understand that I would want to then watch, you know, my cousin Vinny because <laughs> justice is served. Justice. You I know, I just want justice. I just want it. I just, my, um, my, my least favorite Tarantino film is, uh, Once Upon a Once Time, upon in, time Hollywood. in Hollywood. Yeah, which which we watched together. We actually. watched together. Um, the three how, of us, and then we were like, "Huh." However, I genuinely appreciate the idea of taking a horrible event in history and just saying, "Now we're going to do the uh, the the happy feel good ending, where 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 the bad guys get theirs and the good guys live." That's yeah. not what happened, but. This is what should have happened, and that you know there is a. I think Inglorious Bastards did that better, but um, yes. there is catharsis to that. I I do really like the. Uh, I do like that element. It's it's not a bad movie. I don't dislike it. It's 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 Tarantino. It's it's got a lot to like. It's one but... of those movies, <laughs> and since I just mentioned Minari, I will I will. Um... And I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. And I apologize to anyone who actually knows Korean. I'm sure it's Minari or something. But anyways, the the point is, is once upon a time in Hollywood, when we were watching it, I was never bored in the moment. Mm -hmm. Every vignette, I don't even want to call them scenes because scenes almost make you think that there's a sequence when there's kind of not. Yeah. Really. But there was... Every vignette had its own through line in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And they each were very interesting. And you have no idea really where the movie is going. You're not bored getting there. But I also, 
once it was over, I felt very bereft. I was like, oh, because there was nothing to. Yeah. Anything. There... And Minari's kind of going that way in that I'm not bored. I'm liking every moment. I'm captivated by every moment. The performances are beautiful. I like all the characters. We're going in a place. There's 20 minutes left. I have no idea yeah. what's going to happen. But I, I think you, myself, and um, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, all three of us ended the movie, credits roll. I think all three of our reactions were, huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> huh, okay. Huh. That was three no, I mean, hours. I, I, I didn't, huh, I didn't dislike it. <laughs> I wasn't bored. Pretty sure I also didn't numb. like it. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, yeah. that's. I'm yeah, pretty confident. Weird... I mean, right after the movie, I'm like, I'm pretty confident that's my yeah, least favorite said, Tarantino, yeah. but I didn't not like it. Yeah. <laughs> huh. it very, very, yeah, it's a very hot yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this, did you, um, so I'm pretty sure you liked this film. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't. Oh my god, great movie! I was like, no, I I, I enjoyed it well enough. You know, it's, I do. It's, it's not really a. It's, it was well well made, well performed. I had a few critiques here and there, but uh, overall, is a interesting story. And uh, you know, again, bit of a downer ending. Kind of made me want a filmic palette filmic palette cleanser. Yeah. But uh, yeah, broadly broadly, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I I liked it very much probably not something i'd rewatch, but um i'm probably gonna rewatch it pretty soon i want uh, he wanted to watch it with me oh wow. and it just never happened but i mean and if someone was like I uh, for this. yeah i mean if someone's like hey i really want to see this would you watch it with me i'd be like oh yeah sure yeah but yeah but i just i i'll look for those camera moves that you were talking about but i i i, I but yeah regarding the last two films though it's um it's these subtle nuances that are just the most incredible you know moments within any of those films mm. you know it's just those for me it's the, it's the stuff that you still tie into today yeah like um yeah. you see uh the, you know the 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 police you know kick down the door of a uh uh building occupied by a bunch of people of color and uh, the police fired a hundred shots and the, the the people of color fired almost zero right it's like that happens today and the, the both sidesy crap it's like you know what when you really think about it the black panther party and the ku klux, klux Klan. Exactly the same, both sides. Am I right? It's like, uh -huh. no. Oh, I want to slap you so hard. But it's it's so it's fascinating because the way that a message can be twisted and the way that it can be like delivered, like that very, um like very direct very i authoritative which is uh, it's that plausible it's, justification yeah. that people in the wrong desperately search for yes it's, to it's justify so, their it's, actions it's, it's fascinating 
and it's mm-hmm. and it and, and it's it yeah which you notice is is what uh bill o'neill latched onto even yes. in his final interview that that kind of both sidesy crap yeah it truly yeah. and you could almost see it because that you know and it, just to bring the whole thing back to the, where we started at the beginning um with the interview of bill o'neill at the end there the question that he was asked is what do you tell your children about this time of your life and he paused for a good moment Mm -hmm. really in like and then he got defensive and then and that's what's so it's you see it like it was so and it was watching that moment that also kind of like maybe Lakeith Stansfield didn't do such a bad job because he even he you could see it with him and hit like yeah it was the emotion of wow that's really terrible what I did I I've never like maybe he never even talked yeah. to his kids about it or anything like all the things going through and then immediately he just he goes well you know and, and then it just starts and it ramps mm-hmm. up into this at least i had an opinion at least i was on a side and that's better than no side at all or that's better like action is better than inaction and i was like you were asked what you tell your children mm-hmm. yeah, man i i, I wonder if, i can't it's yeah it's it's genuinely tragic this yeah. this 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 gentleman was abused and taken advantage of yeah and, Yours had um, a happy ending. Mine did not. Yeah. Um, I have to wonder, as a final thought, I have to wonder about whoever it was that interviewed uh, Bill O'Neill. I wonder if he heard about the, the guy's suicide and was like, oh, no. Oh, God, I killed him. <laughs> you know, I, I just killed this guy. Uh, I, I would feel really bad. Yeah, but. Yeah, I, I but I. I... I'll have to look into who, what, what was the fate of that of the interviewer. <laughs> of the interviewer. Won't someone think of the people behind the camera? Okay, well, uh, enough depressing yes. stuff. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, we're done with that. Let's move on to next month. Kelly, what do we got for March? Yes, because now that we're thoroughly depressed, uh, we will continue movie mandates in March with feel bad movies. Yeah. No feel good movies. We're entering the month of feel bad movies. <laughs> and Andrew, can you get worse than this one? No. What's what's your? Pick? I I. Oof. I should yeah. get a pen. Um. Uh, so th- so this is a tough one because um, you know, by the very nature of the theme, we do it know, to ourselves. We're we're yeah we're we're going to feel bad. You know, I mean, there there are a lot of movies that fit the bill, but no matter what choice I make, the outcome is undesirable. I can't wait. And there's a phrase that describes that kind of choice where all options are undesirable. That's called Sophie's choice. Oh, come the fudge on. <laughs> I've never seen it, so we're going to watch Sophie's Choice. I mandate it. I have a question. Okay. It is a yes or no question. Okay. Do you know what her 
not what she chooses, but do you know what she's asked? It, yes or no? Yes, I do, okay. I do know what Sophie's choice is. I do not okay. know what choice she makes, if any. So I'm kind of assuming this is a feel-bad movie. I've never seen it. I, I may, maybe it's a wacky comedy, a, a misguided one. I have no idea. It's got it's. I mean, it's got Kevin Klein and Peter McNichol in it. It's got to be really funny, right? <laughs> and a you know little-known actress named Meryl Streep. But... I, I, I'm. Yeah, Don't think yeah, maybe maybe if her. she keeps working at it, uh, she'll she'll uh, <laughs> you know she'll find her footing. Yeah, I I, I believe in her though. I believe. Yeah, yeah. I believe in her. So, Sophie's right. Choice was an Academy Award nominee at least, right? Did, did it win? I, definitely a nominee. I, I definitely don't know if it a won. nominee. Yeah. I don't know because I wasn't Meryl one of those people who like was nominated a million times before she finally won one. Or is she that person who was nominated once, won, and then never won again until way later? I yeah. don't recall which don't one know. she is. Yeah. She might be one of them or neither. Maybe I'm making everything up. But if for some reason <clears throat> you also want to watch Sophie's Choice, no, it's a, it's it's a it's probably an AFI film, right? I would have might to. be. It's uh, as of this recording, it's. It's on Hulu, it's on Peacock, it's on Hoopla, it's on Tubi, it's on Canopy, Crackle. It's, it's actually streaming it's, on a bunch of different things. So It's on Crackle? Wow. Yeah. All right, it, so. go watch it. It's available to rent. Check the description, or my guess is at least half of those are still probably right. And then maybe some have uh, been added. Um, so anyways, until then, you can watch Movie Mandates on YouTube or just listen to it in podcast form on iTunes. And hey, you know, if you enjoy uh, the show and uh, what we have to say to each other, and you would like to uh, introduce us to a new audience, engagement is key. So uh, watching on YouTube, do the like, do the comment, do the subscribing. And if you're listening on iTunes, rate and review, we thank you very much. And with that, I am Kelly. And you can follow me on Instagram at Pimento Livia. There's only one O in Pimento Livia. Okay, you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Eisen because that's my name and that's what I used for the Twitter handle. And we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Movie Mandates and we will be back soon with yet another mandated movie. Bye, everyone. Bye.